Hello and welcome to the African Tech Roundup episode 40 for the week ending Monday, January 18th, 2016. This is where we round up the week's most important tech, digital and innovation news from across the African continent. My name is Andy Lemasu and with me is my good friend, the homie and co-host, Defo Mohapi. How's it, my guy? I'm all good, man. How are you doing? I'm actually doing quite well, man. I'm taking to this whole January 2016 thing quite well. Oh, yeah, that's good. It's moving quite fast, which is good. This is good. And you, my friend, are becoming a regular feature on television these days. Hey, now tell me about that uh, SABC interview you had on the weekend. We'll actually touch on it a little bit later when we talk about uh, service providers. But we're talking about OTT services and South African regulators looking to regulate those. Uh, and it's, it's quite fascinating, especially after Morocco banned VoIP since 7th January. Now, that is absolutely insane. And like you say, we'll definitely talk a little more about digital and tech regulation issues on the continent uh, in this week's discussion segment. Uh, we'll try and get into the heads of you know our lawmakers. These lawmakers who seem to, to be a tad out of touch with the opportunities and the threats of the modern digital age. Now, we'll get into that in a moment. But if you're joining us for the first time, welcome to you. Uh, but do head on to africantechroundup.com to catch up on what you've missed over the last, what, 39-odd weeks? Yep. Uh, if you're keen on daily updates, updates, opinion, and behind-the-scenes sneak peeks. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram on both networks. Our handle is at African Roundup. And we're also on Facebook. Check us out at facebook.com forward slash African Tech Roundup. It's been a pretty hectic week in terms of news, so we're keen to get going. Uh, but first, this episode of the African Tech Roundup is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash African tech with over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android or MP3 player. Yep, that's right. They've got quite dope books out there. But before we get to the news, we'll be sharing a snippet of a conversation you had with Rohan George. Interesting fellow because he's a Nigerian-born South African citizen who lives and works in Mexico. He was, he was actually here on holiday, but it was kind of a research visit as well. He was on a mission to understand education issues in the South African scene. He's obviously been away for many, many years. Uh, he comes in just for holidays and stuff. So it was really cool catching up with him. And among other things, we talked about why he believes that quote-unquote creative education is key to helping solve some of the most critical problems in the developing world. Take a listen. The whole issue is that um, our educational system is flawed because we're using a system from the Industrial Revolution and that's a long time ago. And, um, you know, as time goes on, you have to change, you have to progress, and we haven't. Uh, there's been a few systems that's been put in place here in South Africa that, you know, through my interviews... I uh, found out that these systems have failed and you are you have to ask questions like why has it failed you know so what my system uh, brings is it brings a form of education which is creative which is lacking within the the, the, the schools of South Africa and also other countries around the world that I'm looking at uh, they have these sort of educational systems within universities but not at schools and you have to ask yourself this like if you want to change something where do you start you don't start at an adult level, you start at the grassroots level. And that's where the solution is to change, to make changes, because this this idea that I'm that I'm thinking of and starting is it's not tech. Tech is very fast. This is a slow process of of bettering our community, bettering our system. It 
it takes 10 to 15 20 years you know you would see changes by implementing the system within the country you'd see a lot more you'll see prosperity in terms of you'll see a lot more uh startups a lot more startup accelerators coming up because there's a lot more and entrepreneurs coming onto the system because they have all these creative ideas and they want to let loose you know so that's where i see it going you know listening to you it sounds like a slow burn is the challenge the fact that currently all the sort of quote unquote sexy plays in terms of like where venture capital money is going is um is startups by the true definition things that can grow fast and scale big if it sort of doesn't have the potential for hockey stick growth you know vcs don't really aren't really interested how how are you how are you sort of navigating those kind of politics uh in terms of trying to get traction or trying to get uh, um people interested in your in your venture i mean first of all <clears throat> we have to look at the issue of why investors looking at quick returns you know like something that will it's 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 profit right and uh, with with education you, you you have to go beyond profit you have to look at the humanity side of it what are you doing what are you trying to do with education you know you you trying to make a profit out of someone are you trying to seriously better someone's situation and you know in my mind is south africa has a lot of people whose situation needs to be bettered it needs to be improved you know because uh we might be in the new south africa things might be going well but there's still a lot of problems we need to start looking at at improving people's lives and by helping your fellow brother citizen uh whatever you know you're going to that that's what makes us special we 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 are humans and our humanity makes us special because we thrive by making our neighbor better you know by seeing him do well you do well well look a lot's been said about the need for africa to encourage our youth to prioritize science and maths but rohan clearly reckons we need to be teaching kids how to be creative as well now if we're to see the kind of problem solving and innovation we need on the continent he's probably right yeah and you can get the full conversation that andile had with uh, rohan on our soundcloud account you can go to soundcloud.com and just search for african tech roundup and now on to the news first up mtn continue to make headlines in the past week following their victory in Nigeria's federal high court now a judge turned down an application filed to prevent MT in Nigeria from moving funds out of Nigeria now now this is dodgy uh, from well in my opinion because why would they want to move like a lot of funds out of the country with a fine pending Well, look, I think this is what the judge looked at. I mean, I I looked at the merits of the case. I think the judge looked at 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 the at the accusation in this way. How can you prove that the reason that that MTN Nigeria is looking to move any amount of money in and out of the country as uh, a a direct attempt to avoid a fine? I think that's what's difficult to prove. Um Of course you you I suppose we have to also you know expect that MTN Nigeria has been doing this for a while for whatever reason in the course of business and I think the onus was to prove that MTN Nigeria was using this as an opportunity to dodge the fine which I think would be hard to prove. Yeah, I think technically you're right uh, it's it's very difficult to prove that what's in their mind what's their intention you can't prove that you'd have to have sat behind closed doors in MTN and figured out what they were saying. And yeah, I guess you're right in terms of the high court and the decision turning down that application, but I think with a fine pending, it's very it seems that they're not wary of the PR that will come with the with a decision. That's true, but I suppose there's also a lot of proof in favor of MTN showing that they they are 
uh, they have every intention of staying in Nigeria. What with the story we reported on last week, them uh, purchasing Visa phone and uh, and. <laughs> Look, it's and it's unfortunately not the only area of controversy that's been uh, affecting MTN this past week. A senior official at the National Broadcasting Commission has reportedly been arrested over alleged bribery involving MTN's purchase of the 700 megahertz spectrum license. Now, this, the matter is currently being probed, and the sale that was made might eventually be set aside, depending on those findings. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on. Let's rewind a little bit back and listen to a mecca on episode 39 of African Tech Roundup explaining why MTN would have purchased VisaFone. Basically, outside the spectrum, VisaFone is not giving uh, MTN anything, not uh, uh, location, you know, none. So uh, they've basically lost the fight against G- GSM. A lot of people are going to lose their jobs, and I'm sorry to say it that way, but it's quite clear that all that uh, MTN is interested here is the spectrum. Well, the truth of the matter is that uh, the, to the common man, the technology shouldn't really matter. It's just that if they've done the services very well, it doesn't really matter whether I'm using CDMA or GSM, as long as there is uh, a smooth integration. But this is a general telco thing. Not much innovation is coming out of this space. So uh, I guess VisaFone just fell, you know, unfortunately. But they were a good company, you know. And then that's why I said, you know, the only value VisaFone has is the spectrum. So outside that, nothing. Now, as Emeka explains, the 800 megahertz spectrum can also be used for 4G, which is the main reason why MTN uh, wanted to buy uh, VisaFone, allegedly. I think it's fair to, to assume that the only assets that VisaFone had that MTN's interested in is that spectrum. Definitely. But now, this week, they're allegedly involved in bribery surrounding a 700 megahertz spectrum purchase. And the 700 megahertz spectrum in some countries is known to have been used for analog TV, but can also be used for 4G. Oh my, now the plot thickens. MTN definitely trying to position as the leading 4G carrier in Nigeria. It sounds like it. I mean, they bought a spectrum and they acquired for a spectrum. Well, we, we're assuming that, but it looks definitely like that. So they're probably looking to dominate the, or launch 4G in, in Nigeria pretty soon and dominate that, that market. Let's hope they hang on to the spectrum. If they have any hope of the domination you've just spoken about, they'll definitely need it. Uh, however, the probe is, is currently on, and depending on those findings, the sale could be set aside. We'll be watching this very, very closely. Now, meanwhile, in Kenya, the telecoms regulator there seems to be insisting that mobile operators re-register users, with Airtel announcing on Twitter this week that all new and existing customers would need to come in with their IDs to register SIM cards. Now, it could very well be that Airtel bungled the initial registration process. I think they're getting away easily if that's that's true because it does sound like they bungled the initial registration, maybe lost data or missed some data or something like that. And they, they can count themselves lucky unlike MTN Nigeria. That's true. And look, we, that, that's, we speculate simply because we haven't heard any of the other mobile t- uh, operators say anything about that or instruct or inform their users to, to come in and re-register. So perhaps uh, someone within Airtel dropped the ball on this one. It remains to be seen. Anyone in Kenya know any different or any better anymore? Please give us a shout. <laughs> you know who we are on Twitter, at African Roundup. Now back to Nigeria, uh, to Lagos next, where the world's most valuable loss-making startup, Uber, 
<laughs> has promised to roll out cash payments starting today. We, we want to know if it's actually on the go. Yeah, it would be interesting. I don't think it's for me personally. It's not Uber if you have to pay cash. I mean, that whole friction of paying cash, looking for change. Ugh. And yeah, by the way, uh, disclosure here. This man is an Uber user. Uh, what do we call him? He's. I don't know if there's platinum. Is there such a thing as a diamond platinum user? A platinum Uber user? That would be that would be Tefo Mohapi. No, there is no levels in Uber. But yeah, I mean, Uber is a great service. But if you start saying you need to carry cash, I mean, it removes the whole thing of just walking in or walking out the cab. You know the irony of this being called an innovation? <laughs> it remains to be seen, however, whether this innovation will spur growth in, in what we know to be one of Africa's top five cities in terms of population. Uh, definitely like it did in Nairobi. They claim it, it, uh, it did wonders for their, for their business there. Um, uh, the other thing that's sort of trending around Uber these days, which has nothing to do with the story, is their surge pricing, which seems to be annoying everybody. Yeah, it, apparently it sounds like bad maths. I haven't gone into the details. Yeah, look, it's an e- it's 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 actually good economics and bad maths, depending how you look at it. Uh, definitely, look uh, from a business point of view, definitely a great way to even out uh, w- projections and and the economics of you know supply and demand. But not something you care about if you're stuck somewhere in the middle of the night and call an Uber and realize that it's triple what you wanted to pay. And I wonder if people will be carrying that kind of money in cash. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you say triple. Dude, on New Year's Eve, I remember one year it was like 32 times. Ooh, that's madness. Now, anyway, listen, tell us if you're enjoying the cash option, uh, Lagos. And, of course, Nairobi, are you still loving it or what? Hit us up on Twitter at African Roundup. Now, here's a story that's going to make our friend Rebecca Enonchong very happy. Now, this is because I've been following her on, on Twitter, and I know she's been having challenges in trying to enjoy Netflix in Cameroon, given the caps on daily data uh, on daily data use uh, that uh, MTN uh, restricts it to. Now, telecoms and network services provider Main One has announced that the high-capacity Nigerian Cameroon submarine cable system, the NCSCS, ooh, how fancy, uh, connecting Lagos, Nigeria, and Kribi, Cameroon, has been completed and it apparently went live last month. Uh, it will definitely help with capacity in terms of uh, bandwidth. But uh, the key question, as we've discussed so many times, is does this mean lower prices? I can assure you, therefore, that it doesn't mean lower prices. There's zero incentive for <laughs> for these infrastructure players to, to supply at a certain price. Until perhaps the volume levels of usage gets to a certain point, they will definitely be charging uh, the kinds of money that they need to in order to make that investment return as fast as possible. But their wholesale costs keep dropping. Yeah, that uh, makes it a... what. An ethical issue, maybe even a moral one, but I don't really expect that uh, Cameroon should expect to pay any less for what they've been paying for data. I do think, though, that there might be a few more options, a lot more, uh, uh, a lot more flexibility in terms of the kind of data packages they've been offered so far, and certainly maybe even better speeds. Yep, that's good because that means, as you mentioned, Rebecca can stop uh, borrowing her neighbor's uh, <laughs> Wi-Fi <laughs> connection to watch Game of Thrones. You're so polite. You call it borrowing. <laughs> Rebecca, you're going to be caught and they're not. And it's not going to end well. And if you're wondering what the heck we're on about, you need to go check out our interview. Uh, the interview I had with Rebecca Anonchong on Africa, t- <laughs> Africa Tech Conversations. Go check it out uh, and you'll understand um, that uh, the lady has interesting habits. <laughs> check it out at Conversations dot africantechroundup dot com. Rebecca, much love to you, girl.
Now, here's something admirable on one hand, but depressing if you're a Bitcoin proponent in Kenya. Now, uh, the country's recently appointed ICT secretary, uh, Joe Machero, who apparently, I think, had a role um, at, at, at Google Kenya before this. Uh, uh, well, he's quit the board of Bitcoin dealer Bitpesa. And uh, he's also begun offloading uh, his shares in the digital currency platform to avoid a possible conflict of interest. Yeah, I think I think this is straightforward. I mean, it's it's he's bec- he's a parliamentarian now, so parliamentarians are not allowed to hold uh, shareholding in companies, or ethically, you're not allowed to hold shareholding in companies. It would look very bad. So I think this is just a straightforward. Thing, especially being ICT secretary, I mean, this isn't. We know that uh, Bitpesa is a up-and-coming tech startup in Kenya. So, yeah, I think it's straightforward deal. He has to offload his shares to concentrate on his job. Would you even say commendable, given how I think those are murky waters for many politicians on the continent who don't seem to have an, any issue whatsoever having uh, holdings and companies that clearly might uh, be cause for conflict uh, in terms of their, their role as public servants? Definitely commendable. I just think it's bad timing. Or not bad timing. Look, he doesn't have a choice. He is ICT secretary now. He has to offload. It's just uh, terrible timing from a perspective of recently a Kenyan uh, agency uh, warning people against the use of Bitcoin, that it is illegal, as we discussed with America last week on episode 39, and that uh, people sh- it's not legal tender in Kenya. So it could be misconstrued to mean that he, he's lost confidence, but it isn't. It's just that he's ICT secretary and has to offload his shares. That said, the official line from a government perspective is that uh, Bitcoin is an illegitimate currency. And I suppose if you're a Bitcoin lover, you'll see this as potentially worrying in that uh, someone who might otherwise have had a positive sort of uh, a positive voice for, for the, the adoption of Bitcoin and the, and the blockchain now clearly might be forced to take the official line, which is against Bitcoin. Yeah, we need to ask him point blank. Joe Mucheru, what are your thoughts on Bitcoin and do you believe in Bitcoin innovation in Kenya? So if you're listening to this, uh, we'd very much love to hear from you. <laughs> I doubt we will. No, don't, don't jinx it. Don't jinx it. If, if, if any of his people are listening to this, or uh, sir, uh, Mr. Macheri, if you're listening to this, we'd love to know if the, the official word we're getting out of the Kenyan government on Bitcoin at the moment is, is, some, is a view that you personally hold. And if not, how do you intend to sort of sway the sentiment towards a potentially life-changing technology that has the, opportun- that has the, the, the potential to change the lives of, uh, uh, of many people in the developing world. Reach out to us, sir. Now, finally, the last two stories we'll be talking about today are linked to our discussion. Uh, firstly, uh, in an attempt to safeguard morals and values, and that's a quote, safeguard morals and values, the Kenyan uh, Films and Classification Board has opposed... Uh, the communications authority's decision not to require Netflix to acquire a local broadcasting license. Now, they are insisting that operators like Netflix be regulated and subjected to Kenya film classifications uh, before they are allowed to sell and broadcast content in Kenya. You've, you've been laughing throughout this read. Yeah, this is laughable. Seriously, I'm sorry. This is laughable. You might as well take it a step further and say we're going to regulate the internet and do like China put a big firewall around your internet across the country? Uh, there's there's no ways you're gonna regulate. It's 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 an for starters, Netflix is an American company. Everything is sitting in this cloud on servers that are spread across the world. 
how do you regulate this? I'd love to see them enforce this. How, who, you, which door are you gonna knock on and say, please show us your license for this movie or whatever? And I'm sure in doing their due diligence on Kenya as a as a market to enter, Netflix probably picked up that they would be well within their rights to launch, um, unlike in places like China, which were very clear from the onset that <laughs> Netflix would not be welcome in any shape or form. I suppose Kenya is hoping to join the list of, what, the three or four other countries in the world that don't have Netflix. But meanwhile, the South African Parliament Portfolio Committee on Telecommunications and Postal Services has reportedly reserved a day later this month to probe so-called over-the-top OTT services like WhatsApp, uh, Messenger, and Skype. Now, this follows several mobile operators, including MTN. Well, MTN's everywhere now. MTN, Vodacom, and Telcom, who've been lobbying for the regulation of OTT services to ensure what they call fairer competition. Come now, guys. Come now. I think this is both stories. I think this is a case of if, if it's new, if it's gaining momentum very quickly, if we don't really understand it, let's throw the law book at it. Look, le- let me be, let me just let me just be fair and 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 admit that. Do I like everything that Netflix offers as a bouquet? Do I like everything that you get on TV in general? Uh, in, from a I don't know, from an ethical perspective, from a moral perspective, indeed not. But uh, the implications of even implying that you could gag. Uh, since uh, prevent organizations like Netflix from selling content is very problematic when applied in certain directions that will affect normal individuals like us and the rights to freedoms we should have. Definitely. And, but I'm going to play devil's advocate, especially on the, M- on the mobile service providers case of regulating um, over-the-top service providers. The Netflix case and the Kenya Films and Publications Board, it's, it's, I think it's ridiculous. I'm not even going to spend time talking about that. On the mobile service provider side, it's, they, they spend a lot of money investing in infrastructure. I mean, rightfully so, it is their infrastructure. And anything that runs on there is literally piggybacking on, the, on, on their infrastructure and profiting of their infrastructure. Uh, they are targeting, unfortunately and unfairly, uh, OTT services because there's all sorts of other things and services that make money off their infrastructure without them benefiting much. OTT services like WhatsApp still use data which you need to purchase from a mobile service provider. So I don't see why. On This is two sides to my being a devil's. One, I think they are within their rights to question OTT service providers making money of their platforms. But on the other side, I feel that they're being unfair because they must have a blanket rule and say everything must be regulated that runs off our infrastructure. And I think why they're doing that, and it's pretty obvious, it's because OTT services are eating into their voice revenues and mainly voice revenues. And they haven't figured out a way on how to replace those voice revenues. I might have a heart for the mobile operators had they not come from a legacy of profiteering of overcharging us for services that could long have uh, been a lot more affordable and extended to far more. And now that we have technologies that allow us to all communicate at reasonable levels at an affordable rate, um, they want in on the action and they want to prevent people who weren't in on, on the profiteering to start with not to. In fact, it was the very environment that they, the very ecosystem of, of, of profiteering which they sort of maintained that necessitated the kind of disruptive technology, uh, the technological development we're seeing. It's a very intricate and very complex debate they're going to have on the 26th of January when the regulators start, when they talk about regulating OTT services. In that, as I mentioned, and as, and as you said, you would 
be more sympathetic had they not come from a profiteering background in that it is their infrastructure. You can't tell them anything. There's another point which you haven't mentioned and which has been used in Morocco is a clause in the telecommunications regulations which states that telecommunications, telephony, voice, can only be supplied by somebody who has a telecommunications license. Now, this is legacy. This is laws that haven't moved with the times. You can say, yes, we must blame policymakers, but we as consumers as well are to blame because we haven't been active citizens. As soon as we started seeing that uh, things are changing, the internet is taking over, voice is moving to the internet, we should have lobbied through councillors or whatever the structure of in South Africa or in Morocco of political lobbying is and lobbied hard for that clause to be changed. But we didn't. And the mobile service providers are also being unfair because such laws have been, or such regulations, have been in place for decades. And they're only now trying to activate that, uh, that those clauses when their revenues are dropping. You know what it kinda, it's kind of like for me? And um, I, I'm a huge fan of Coursera, right? And I love what Coursera is doing in democratizing knowledge, uh, education, and allowing access to it. And it's it would this is the equivalent of say a University of Cape Town or or, or Joma Kenyatta University out there, uh, uh, basically trying to take Coursera to court for offering free education because this is something we're mandated to do by law. And um, it, 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 there's we almost celebrate the democratization of of knowledge and of access that the internet has brought, but somehow. When it when it comes to 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 rands and cents to dollars and cents, uh, the big boys get a little touchy when um, when they stand to lose something. Yeah, I like that you mentioned the education case. I think we let's elevate the conversation a bit further and say the same model or the same arguments can be taken to education, and it's probably going to come when Coursera starts offering degrees that are acceptable that are accepted by employers that are accepted everywhere by professional bodies. So once Coursera, can you imagine what's going to happen when Coursera says, we can actually offer you a Bachelor of Commerce, which actually doesn't require you to be in a class anyway, if you pass and meet these criteria and we give you a legitimate certificate posted to you, et cetera, et cetera, and it's accepted by big employers, your IBMs, whatever, and it's legit, it's as good as your University of Cape Town BCom. Can you imagine what's going to happen? And they offer it for free. And that's insane. And interesting you mentioned the University of Cape Town because it's one of the few African universities I actually see offering courses on Coursera. And I think that that's an excellent example of being proactive in the face of changing dynamics, uh, the, the changes that are brought on by technology. Uh, you don't fight it, man. You ride the wave. This wave potentially benefits you if you think about it quite differently. The problem is we've got people sitting in boards, in, in, in the boards of these massive companies, thinking in two or three maximum four-year sort of spans, uh, thinking how to maximize shareholder value and all this nonsense that guarantees that they'll get their incentives. And they're not thinking about what the world will look like in another 10 years. And that's the problem to me. Yeah, it's how they're remunerated. It's how they're rewarded. It's it's based on short-term results. And in the short term, because they haven't figured out how to profit like massively from data and internet usage, they are going to milk the voice and they're going to do anything possible we, even within their rights, like them requesting that uh, OTT service providers be regulated, it's it's well within their rights if we are really honest and we take the emotion aside. It's well within their rights, but it's is it the smart thing to do? I don't think so.
Or maybe they're just doing it. Maybe it's a smart thing to do in as far as giving themselves time to figure it all out. In which case, <laughs> well, you're certainly getting more time this way. Uh, uh, they will be sitting, I think, on the 26th of this month. We'll, we'll, we'll be watching very closely to find out what that pol- parliamentary committee uh, decides on that matter or at least resolves on that matter. Morocco, we're hoping the laws change. Um, this is just a glitch in the system. Lawmakers will rectify the issue and soon enough... Uh, you know, those kind of issues are resolved. In the meantime, Kenya, good luck in trying to prevent <laughs> Netflix from selling its services there. Quite frankly, they could just turn around. It's just that it's such an important market for East Africa. Uh, I don't see Netflix sort of just turning their noses up at it, but it could very well just come to, we actually don't need to be here. Bye-bye. Yeah, I think, as I said last week on episode 39, I think Netflix threw everything on the wall and watches which market will stick, where will they get traction, and they'll pull off markets where they don't get traction. Hey, listen, if you want to factor in on any of the stories we've talked about today or our discussion topic, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can find us on social. Uh, we've mentioned the handle quite a number of times, especially on Twitter. It's at African Roundup. Give us a shout. Let us know what's on your mind, what you think of the, 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 the week in review in terms of the news. Uh, also, what are you making of what lawmakers are arguing over in, in Kenya? Uh, over Netflix. In fact, we actually had someone hit us up on Twitter last week uh, on some, he's of the mind that Kenya must do something. There are values that need to be protected. We don't want the West sort of imposing their norms on us. Netflix must be regulated. I'm not sure that's the way to go. Taking that idea to its full extent might come back to bite you, sir. I can't remember your name, but uh, please, uh, we'll definitely love to hear from you. Give us a shout on Twitter or drop us an email. If you'd like to contribute in terms of, uh, in terms of sending us a voice note our email address is hello at africantechroundup.com once again today's episode of the african tech roundup is brought to you by audible they're offering a free audiobook download with a 30-day free trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service we recommend a great book called no ordinary disruption by richard dobbs jonathan woodsell and a certain james manika you can get it at audibletrial.com forward slash african tech James Manika just happens to be a Zimbabwean, uh, the director of the McKinsey Global Institute. And uh, prior to that, he was on the engineering faculty at Oxford University, a visiting scientist at NASA, a Rhodes Scholar, a Smith Rippon Senior Scholar. And James also holds a doctorate and master's of science and art degree from Oxford in robotics and engineering, mathematics and computer science. He has a bachelor's degree in electrical engineering from the University of Zimbabwe. So guys... He is definitely someone who knows a thing or two about technology and its role in disrupting the status quo. And you can pretty much download that book or any audiobook of your choice for free. And you can do it right now. And like Defo said, go straight to audibletrial.com slash African Tech. That's audibletrial.com slash African Tech for your free audiobook. Otherwise, that's it for this week, guys. And it's cheers from me, Defo Mohapi. And me, Andy Lemasugu, I man, let's all get along, Kenya.